Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, and each and every week, myself and co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, cast our eye over everything happening inside and outside the squared circle in a show made by wrestling fans for wrestling fans. Coming up today, what a week it's been. In the space since we last spoke, AEW has put on a pay-per-view for the ages with a Wardlow turn, the debut of William Regal and a match of the year contender between CM Punk and MJF. Then on Dynamite, Jeff Hardy arrives in All Elite Wrestling, while over in WWE, Stone Cold Steve Austin answers Kevin Owens' WrestleMania challenge. Throw in all of that, plus Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor, and you can see why this week's show is so jam-packed. So let's get into it all, right now, on Earning the Push. I'm going to get my one gripe out of the way first, so I then can just wax lyrical about what a brilliant show it was, because it was. It was too long is my one issue. Uh, I watched it in two sittings. That was the perfect way to do it. The perfect way to do it. I'm glad I didn't stay up for it because I couldn't have. It was too long. It was exhausting to watch it in one sitting. And I think it is something that we need to address going forward is the length of the pay-per-views because I think you could tell the crowd a little bit were just knackered by the time that main event came around. However, what a brilliant show. That's up there as one of the for quality of match and storytelling continuation and what the spectacle we actually got that's an all-timer pay-per-view and it had big hype to live up to going into it purely because of the card and a lot of the time you see these super cards they don't live up to the hype and this absolutely did it was just brilliant yes four hours is too long for any form of entertainment whether it's stand-up whether it's a film whether it's a concert four hours is just too long. Although, that said, some of our listeners have said that the four-hour AEW pay-per-view experience compared to the four-hour premium event WWE experience, they don't mind. It was too long. There were a few too many false finishes. I agree entirely with you. However, with that to one side, my god, what a card. Let's start with Punk MJF. That had the most storyline and steam going into it, and from the moment of the entrances to the very end, it delivered. Yeah, I, I've said before, I don't particularly love dog collar matches, but this was brilliant. And actually, the stipulation played a part and it made sense, the storytelling. And I love that. You know, I hate stipulations for stipulation's sake. But when they make sense, like this one did, it was brilliant. And it was a perfect finish to what has been, what, a three-month storyline now? Probably, in my mind potentially AWs, you, you know better than me, longest week-to-week story they've told so far. Yeah, uh, they've almost had certainly, yeah. Bigger overarching ones, like the Inner Circle and this sort of, that have gone long, but week-to-week, giving me something new every week, keeping it going on Dynamite, on Rampage, at your pay-per-views. This has probably been their longest story, and it was just the perfect crescendo, I thought. It was brutal for the right reasons. It wasn't brutal for brutal's sake. I'm a sucker for thumbtacks. I think they just bring as soon as as soon as a bag of thumbtacks come out, it's one of those like old moments, isn't it? Of everyone's like, okay, we're stepping this up a notch. And then the Wardlow turn was brilliant, and he backed that up with a beautiful promo on Dynamite last night. Like the big man can talk, the big man can talk as well. He is a superstar uh, about to break out. I thought just as a match, it was excellent. 
but it serves so many more purposes as well. Of I'm really interested what MJF does next. I think we don't see him for a while. I think he stays off telly for a little bit. I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, Wardlow is about to break out hugely. I imagine it's the MJF Wardlow feud saying that we get next, actually. And then if you see the vignette Punk gave last night on Dynamite of um, he needs to go away, find himself, um, do you really want the old Punk back? I think we're going to get a different CM Punk coming out of this as well. And I'm, I'm all for all of it. It was just excellent. There's a couple of things for me to throw into the mix here because you're right. It's so hard to conclude satisfactorily one feud and kick another big feud off in the same moment and not have one feel like less than the other. But they managed to do it with that Wardlow turn. The charisma he showed in that moment where he comes down and he's patting himself down for the ring and he can't find it. And then he finds a ring. Do you know what I thought looking at that? I thought, I bet Vince McMahon would like to have Wardlow on his roster because he showed everything there that Vince is into. And then I just thought the match itself, that we talk about MJF all the time. CM Punk's been gone for eight years. He's what? six, seven months into his comeback and he's putting on match of the year contenders with fresh talent. That doesn't get remarked on enough. I just thought the whole thing, for me, was pretty close to perfect. Yeah, it was It was really, really excellent, that match. The whole story. That was match of the night for me and we said this off air, if you rebooked the show, you'd probably put it on last. Yeah. For me, because I, I didn't I didn't watch it in well, I did watch it in two sittings, but I got up early to try and watch as much as I could. Everything from that punk MJF match felt a little bit of a struggle to get through. Not because of the work rate, not because of the quality of the matches, just because that was such an emotional roller coaster. So I went away, came back to it. We get sixty-two year old Sting taking a look at sort of a balcony and thinking I can throw myself off that. I mean, again, a bit of a garbage match, but amazing to see him doing it. Just an unbelievable moment. And he's just, he's clearly having so much fun. And for whatever reasons, what, seven years ago was when he returned WWE, it didn't quite work. He had his horrible injury against Seth Rollins. Thankfully, he's all right from. But this is the, the, you'd imagine this this is the farewell tour of Sting, this work with Darby Allen, And it's doing so much for Darby. You can tell they're both having the time of their life. And it's, it's exactly the sort of, uh, farewell tour the icon deserves because he is he he was a huge part of the biggest boom period of wrestling so he he deserves this and a, a whole new generation are enjoying the stinger how did wwe get it wrong with sting because how did wwe get it wrong with a lot of things jack i know and they get it right with a lot of things as well but everyone's saying it's almost like you forget that wwe run happened and 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 this guy's older by about six years he's had a really bad neck injury that by all accounts was the end of his career and yet there he is looking like he's been cryogenically unfrozen from the impact days yeah i'll, I'll just never understand how wwe finally got sting at wrestlemania and they thought we won't put him with taker mm. like at wrestlemania 31 i know Taker. you watched the last ride documentary he was low on confidence coming out of that lesnar 30 match I just don't believe at 31 they couldn't have put on a good enough match that the spectacle would have carried them through. Uh, and instead, we got that very average match between Taker and Bray Wyatt. They didn't really do much for either of them. It's, it's top of my list of dream matches that we'll never get under Taker Sting. Well, don't say never, because we never know in wrestling at the moment, as we will come True. on to True. a little bit later. Uh, I think I can predict your second favourite match of the night. If Punk MJF was number one with a bullet, that triple threat tag team match is right up your street for a bit of tag team chaos anarchy. It was just 
carnage, but of the best kind, wasn't it? I love, I actually really enjoy, I think good tag team wrestling is my favourite wrestling. I genuinely do. And I hate how underappreciated it is, especially has been in WWE. And AW don't seem to be doing that. And I love it. And I love the, um, with uh, triple threat tag teams, I love you can tag anyone. Mm. Because you can see, obviously, they never want to tag someone who's not their team, but sometimes they just have to. And I really enjoy the dynamics. And unsurprisingly, you put those three teams, they ring together. And oh, oh my God, it was beautiful. Can Are we shocked by that? Red Dragon, Jurassic Express, and the Young Bucks, they ring together. Yes, it's going to work. It, they managed to further the Red Dragon, Young Bucks story without making the champs in Jurassic Express seem less important. Yeah. It seemed just as important that they retained. And that was a big story. But actually, the the main event of this whole story is Red Dragon versus the Young Bucks. What's really interesting is it looks like, again, I'm looking forward to Dynamite from last night now, that Cole's just challenged Hangman Page for six-man tag next week. It looks like he's going to take the Young Bucks with him, not Red Dragon. It's really interesting. It's it's a love triangle, but with Cole in the middle, and then he's got two, two duos fighting for it. It's just, I love a bit of psychological warfare in my wrestling, another layer to it. But then it's backed up by all these guys go so well. So uh, it's fascinating. Like I said, they didn't cheapen the win for Jurassic Express by making it all about the feud. They still made it about the tag titles while furthering the Red Dragon uh, Young Bucks feud. And for reasons we'll talk about later, AEW now has more ability to flesh out the backstory of Young Bucks, Cole, Page, uh, Undisputed Era, formerly known as Red Dragon now. Um, We then get to, to John Moxley, Brian Danielson. I mean, insane card. The moment everyone will remember from that isn't the match, which I thought was great, but by that point I was feeling a little lethargic. It is a certain suited gentleman from Blackpool, England, who makes his way down the side of the ramp and gets one of the biggest pops so far in 2022. William Regal, who just a few months ago was a beloved general manager of NXT, is now All Elite. He is, and oh, I'm excited. I didn't know I needed... Regal, Danielson, and Mox as a stable. Like William Regal looks like he's coming in to, do, uh, to sorry to AEW as the Godfather of professional wrestling, and just yes, yes to all that. He cuts a brilliant promo again last night uh, on Dynamite. Just yeah, I'm all for it. Just this is going to be so much fun. So this tag team with Regal sitting above them is going to be so much fun. And then I sent you. I'm going to look who it was. I, I did that terrible thing that where I, I talk about someone on Twitter. I don't credit them. I'm going to find out who it was. Hang on, hold the line, everyone. Well, you look at it that. It was I'll... Kenny. It was good old Kenny McIntosh. Kenny McIntosh, what did he say? He tweeted um, a screenshot of AEW's roster and Mr. Regal is listed as an active competitor with his records, his tag team, his singles, and his trios record. And all Kenny McIntosh said, William Regal is on the active roster page on AEW. Regal mocks Danielson for trios champs with Regal dresses. Lord Regal doing occasional stretches, please. And just, yes, I, that's I, all I have to say. You, you can get yourself so excited about the potential of that tag team. And if they do bring in that trios belt, as, as you say, let's have a little bit of Mox Danielson and Regal against House of Black, for example. I mean, who wouldn't want to see that? And what I liked is bringing in Regal fit. They didn't change the story of of Mox and Danielson because they suddenly had this talent they had to pick up. It fit. I thought it was great. And and, and he deserves that pop. It shows how well-loved he is. Absolutely. I didn't realise he's only 52 as well. Mm. Hard life. Long life. Yeah. He's younger than you think he is. And I bet, I 
bet he'd jump at the chance to get in the ring with these guys. Because he knows, he seems like the kind of guy who knows his limitations. He's not going to go and try and do things that he's never done before. Because he was a brilliant technical wrestler. He was never flying off the torrents. He never wrestled at too quick a pace. So actually, aging may not have affected him as much as you think it would um, others. Like the likes of the Young Bucks aren't going to be able to do what they're doing when they're in the mid-50s, probably. Regal probably still can. And you don't lose the technique. He'll, I bet you, if he gets back in the ring, I bet you he's still technically brilliant. Yeah, and one thing we've seen from AEW is they know how to take care of some of their older talent. So I think that's great. Uh, Talking of, sorry, before we older talent are taking care of themselves, how good does Jericho look? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. You're our athlete here. What's gone on with Chris Jericho? Jericho went on tour with Fozzie, didn't he? That's I, what, I think that's what happened. He um, went on tour with Fozzie. And as much as he does his DDP, I know you go on hold, you go on to you go away from your usual training regime. You cannot stay as good, Nick. You can't eat as well. You can't do as many sessions. And you think, oh, just one day won't hurt. But one day becomes two days, comes a week. And it, you you do tumble about. And he still stayed fit. He wasn't unfit. But you see, you see the um, comparison photos next to each other at the moment of him um, last night and a revolution and maybe two or three months ago. He looks like a different man. And fair play, he's come off tour, probably had a good hard look at himself and got back into his usual routine. And he looks brilliant. And he's got, of course, he's reinvented himself again last night into a new stable, the Jericho Appreciation Society. And looks like he's going full heel, horrible Jericho. So, of course, he's decided, ah, no, 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 I'm not done yet. There's another reinvention coming. Which I love, which I love. And we'll get into Dynamite in a moment or two. Uh, this is Scott says, uh, love the Wardlow turn. Turn the moment with the ring and his mouth, whoops, was gold. For me, the best match was possibly the three-way tag. Got off to a hell of a bang with Jericho Kingston. Moment of the night, probably Regal and Moxley and Regal slapping them both. Uh, this is our friend Andrew on social media. I love Jericho Kingston. It was like they started at the 10-minute mark. They just skipped the build and went in at the deep end. That suplex to kick it off where Eddie comes out and just goes, Chris... I'm going to introduce the top of your head to the top of the canvas. Here we go, boy. I mean, that was that was painful. Yeah, it was brilliant. And I'll, I'll confess, I'm, I think Eddie Kingston's one of the best promos in wrestling. I don't always think he can back up his promo ability in the ring. Um, but I thought, I hope he doesn't hear that because he's a scary man. Uh, but I thought on Sunday night, that match in ring was brilliant. Um, that's the thing. There are so many of these matches that if they'd gone on another card, would have been match the night and the one we're talking about. The fact we are 15 minutes or so into our recording and I haven't mentioned Cole versus Page, which was excellent, but kind of gets forgotten about a little bit because other matches were so brilliant. So it was an excellent, excellent show. Yeah, I, I loved it all. To be honest. The only thing I would, would say is I think the perfect recipe for pay-per-view length was shown by NXT takeovers that are... Well, the best NXT takeovers were from the two hour 40 to the three hour mark yep. and about five matches. And you just went, there was no let off. You can do two and a half to three hours of carnage. And they just went bam, 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 bang. And you were at the end, you had sat there like, Jesus, I'm knackered now. But that was amazing. As soon as I think you go over three hours, as soon as even a slightest drop in pace by anyone, it saps all the energy out the room. You're looking at you're looking at the slider. You're looking at the clock, thinking, "All right, what haven't we had yet?" And you shouldn't be in a show thinking, "All right, we haven't had Moxley Danielson yet." That should be the moment. One final thing I do want to throw in there: uh, What did you make of the face of the Revolution tag uh, ladder match, the six man ladder match? I thought it was a very decent ladder match. I thought it was good. I loved the start. 
I loved the start with Orange Cassidy uh, doing something a little bit different. I thought it was decent. I like Wardlow winning it. I think that's a good um, good way to further his story as well now. Um, I think on another night, it maybe gets talked about a bit more, but I thought it was, it was not going to go down. History is one of the all-time great ladder matches, is it, or anything like that. One of the things I want to talk about from it, I loved one of the things I didn't love quite so much. In fact, loved is the wrong word. I just want to show some respect to Ricky Starks for that powerbomb on the ladder from Wardlow at the end where he was folded up like an origami crane. He was just whoosh together. Yeah, that that's going to hurt. Things. Yeah. The other thing is, I saw for the first time in that match the moment where Orange Cassidy's shtick just didn't quite work for me. And it was a moment with the whirly bird, with the ladder, and he's doing it really slowly, and the other competitors are running into the ladder. And I just thought, this is the point where someone needs to just say, cut that spot out, because it completely sucked me out of the match. It really did. Yeah, I, and that's a huge thing for us, is it? We all know it's not real. So as soon as it looks really looks like it is, and you're a bit like, come on, guys, you're feeding into everyone who criticises this. So I'd agree. I didn't love that spot too much. But that's been incredibly picky to pick one spot out in a... In Jack a... hates revolution. Jack hated the pay-per-view. <laughs> that's a clickbait. Get that on the websites. Uh, so look, you go from revolution and you think you've had big surprises and big moments, and then we get to dynamite. We saw Scorpio Sky become TNT champion. Jericho turns on the inner circle, as Charlie's mentioned. And Jeffrey Nero Hardy becomes all elite. Jeff Hardy is in AEW and what a huge pop he got. Yeah, but he wasn't too concerned about his brother being choked out enough to not <laughs> dance his way to the ring. If my if my siblings were getting choked out of the ring, I think I'd maybe pass on the dancing, but no, Jeff gets middle, does a bit of dance and then goes, oh, best save, Matt. Um, great get, great get for AEW. Hope beyond hope that any of the issues that meant he left WWE, he leaves behind and he's healthy and he can come and have a brilliant final run in AEW. You talk about final chapters. The Hardy Boys are on the Mount Rushmore of tag team wrestling. They absolutely are. And we already know what they can do with some of the teams in AEW. Anyone who hasn't seen their indie run with the Young Bucks pre-WrestleMania 32, before they had that huge pop in Dallas, when they no, WrestleMania 33, sorry, in Orlando, where they had that huge pop, they came back, go and watch it. The ladder match they had the night before WrestleMania, for example, was just phenomenal, brutal, brilliant. So... There is a lot of history here that we know they'll lean into, but just have a look at the still on, it's all over Twitter and Instagram at the moment, the photo of the emotion in Jeff and Matt's face of getting to do this. It clearly means the world. I don't understand how they're allowed to use the Hardy Boys music, but I love that they are. This I don't is what get I was going to say to you. When I heard that music hit, I was transported back to the Attitude Era and I'm going, I am amazed. So here's what I thought think has happened here's what i think has happened it's production music that wwe licensed to use from a third-party company this is what i think i could be wrong much like when the nwo theme was picked out that was just some production music and i think tony khan's noticed it and thought we'll have some of that but that was madness to hear the old school hardy music on AEW dynamite yeah and i think i saw it was um i think it was stephanie chase on twitter was saying actually being able to take your music with you company to company is almost as important as your name, if not more. So the fact they can take that, it's it's one of the most recognisable themes in wrestling. Anyone who's even a Laps fan from the Astrid era knows that music. So that's going to get attention from people. Um, I think we will see them as the AEW Tag Team Champions in the not-too-distant future. And then just everyone gets a crack at the Hardys. Everyone, let's have, let's have, let's, let's not wait. Let's not 
dilly dally about and think, oh, we'll keep this few of that. No, we don't know how long we get with some of these talent who are at the back end of their career. Injuries come, things happen. Let's just go full throttle here. Let's get the tag team titles on them and then everyone gets a crack at them. Any tag team who wants them. Think of what we can have, Charlie. The Hardys against FTR. The Hardys against the Bucks. The Hardys against uh, Jurassic Express. The Hardys against Mox and Danielson. The Hardys against House of Black. I mean, you've got, if you want it, two years worth of elite level programs for the Hardys there and there. Probably where they're facing people they inspire to get into the business. Yeah, it's it's the perfect storm of just it's already a packed tag team um, division on AEW and they do brilliant tag team wrestling and I think we're going to see even more of it now and I'm I'm all for it. Do you think WWE is kicking themselves? Because the speculation was they let Jeff Hardy go because they felt it was an infringement of the wellness policy. Now, Jeff Hardy has always insisted he was absolutely fine. It was not drug or alcohol related that led him to have that incident at the house show that led to his release. If rumours are to be believed, WWE tried to get him back with a Hall of Fame induction. Um... An odd, odd confluence of events that have led to Jeff Hardy ending up in AEW. Huge. I think WWE will be kicking themselves. I think Jeff Hardy is a huge uh, attraction for anyone. All I'd say is I'm always a lot more interested in either Hardy when the other one is there. Mm. Uh, there's a lot more stock for me in the Hardy boys than there is a Matt or even Jeff singles run. So... I'm really happy from a fan point of view to see them together again because that that's when they're at the best. Although we did fantasy book last runs, I think, right at the start of this podcast, I would not be mad if when the Hardy Boys run was done, MJF and Jeff Hardy locked it up in a retirement feud. I would not be mad about that at all. Now, last week on the pod, we recorded slightly differently and we were joking about saying, what do you think Tony Khan's big announcement is going to be? And then he comes out on Dynamite at Daly's Place and says, I now own Ring of Honor Wrestling, a huge acquisition by TK, a real shocker in some ways, and it means they've got access to that whole back catalogue that, that makes up so much of, of the AEW roster in ROH. Huge move. Yeah, it's a brilliant business move, I think. It makes sense for all parties, and you read the reports online for people who know a lot more than me, and you, I'm afraid, Jack. Um, and just a little bit more than you as Jack raises his eyebrow at me. Um, I think they might end up using it a little bit like WWE used NXT in the early days. And if so, I think that's a great, great idea because it puts more eyes on ROH. You want to know who the next big thing in AEW is, go and watch ROH. It still keeps the credibility in an extremely uh, historic, incredible company. You look at some of the champions who've come through there, Samoa Joe, You've got Punks, Danielsons. This is where they, they they were bred. This is where they started. So I think it just makes sense for all parties. I think you will see really cool throwbacks. You'll see Punk back on Ring uh, Ring of Honor. I'm sure I'm sure you'll see Danielson. I'm sure you'll see these people go back and have last either runs or appearances. And you're going to see the ROH title come and turn up on AEW, aren't you? You're going to see AEW wrestlers on Ring of Honor. I think it just makes sense for everyone. And like you say... Hopefully we get the Ring of Honor back catalogue, their library of matches on a better streaming service than it is now because there is some absolute gold to watch in there that's actually quite hard to get access to at the moment. I'm going to say something controversial that will make me sound very, very savage. And I preface this by saying I want everyone involved in Ring of Honor to get great jobs, to enjoy their lives, and I don't want anyone on the unemployment line. That said, I would not be disappointed 
if Ring of Honor went away. If all this if all this deal was was Tony Khan acquiring the name and the library and the ability to bring those stories to AEW, I would not be disappointed because part of me thinks don't dilute the brand you've got. You're struggling enough to get people watching Dynamite and Rampage. Do you really want to be saying you've now got Dynamite, Rampage, but you can get Danielson on Ring of Honor as well? And part of me thinks from a purely business perspective, from my view, the best value about Ring of Honor is the footage and the history and the heritage. Do you really want that as a third brand that you're having to spend your time building as well? Because there'll be lots of folks out there who know the initials ROH, but don't know anything else about it. Yeah, it's a very good question. It's very interesting. I think there is there is stock, there is money, there is appeal in the ROH name and having that as a show still. It would be very interesting to see how they manage it. Just off the top of your head, are you hyped by the idea of an AEW Ring of Honor inter interpromotional feud? Does that does that excite you? No, no, that that hasn't crossed my mind. I think uh, what excites me is the thought they may use it like an NXT. I think I think that's the best use of Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor for AEW. We're so grateful to each and every wrestling fan who joins us each and every week here on Earning the Push. And if that's you and you haven't already, there are three simple things you can do to help keep this podcast growing. Firstly, rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen today. Secondly, get involved with our fantasy booking. And thirdly, share the love on your social media. Let other wrestling fans know about what we do on Facebook, on Instagram and on Twitter. And with that said, let's get back to the show. Let's talk WWE, because we were adamant, we weren't that excited about the prospect of Stone Cold Steve Austin returning to WWE. It took one promo and one response to hype me up and prove me wrong, because Stone Cold Steve Austin has answered Kevin Owens' challenge for WrestleMania. He is going to be in Dallas, Texas, and I have never been more delighted to say, I at least for that two-minute Stone Cold promo, I'm wrong. I want it. I want to see it. Yeah, you can take your MJFs, you can take your Punks, you can take your Eddie Kings, and Stone Cold's still the best promo in wrestling, isn't he? No doubt. Oh, he got me fired up. I go to war for Stone Cold no, they, without even thinking twice about it. Yeah, I, anyone who listens to our podcast knows that neither of us were too excited at the prospect of 20 year out the ring Stone Cold coming back. Ah, no. Buckle up, lads. I'm all in. I'm all in. Let's get on this roller coaster. Let's go ride it. I don't know what it's going to be. I just have this feeling they both said the word match. Now, why would you both say the word match if you weren't going to have a match? Why would you talk about the fact that you've had your last match already until this happened when The Rock pinned you at WrestleMania? Just, I don't know if it'll be an out-and-out match. I could see them doing one of those classic unsanctioned matches where the ref doesn't wear a ref shirt, so you know something's going on. He just wears a black polo, which always makes me laugh. We've still got a ref here, but he's not in a ref shirt. Right, okay, so this is unsanctioned. I could see something like that, Vince saying you won't insure it, and something like that. I could see something like that, and it also helps... Um, maybe protect Stone Cold's ring rust of not being in the ring for 20 years. They both cut great promos to get you hyped for it. Kevin Owens is one of the best in the ring in the world. He will look after Stone Cold. He will carry him to a great match. And just the excitement of seeing Stone Cold come out, not in a T-shirt and shorts or jeans, but in his black trunks again, stomping to the ring, looking like he wants to smash someone. Yes, I'm so excited for that. And I said, I said a few weeks ago, 
Kevin Owens would have to win. Nope. Nope. I want to see Stone Cold smash his face in. See, what you've just identified there, I think, is the issue WWE is going to have unless they clarify fairly shortly. Because while we are both hyped, there was, and you'll have seen it, a definite segment of the audience on social media saying, so he's just going to come out, he's going to have a beer bath, he's going to hit a stunner, it's going to be it. We don't want to see that. Now, you and I have interpreted that Stone Cold promo differently because he's talking about his last WrestleMania being 19 with The Rock. He's been at WrestleMania since. He did the Battle of the Billionaires. He did something with Hogan, a little bit of business at 32. I don't think you drop those words unless what you're giving is more than what you've given before. And yet other people are seeing it a different way. That could cause issues for WWE. Absolutely. And I cannot blame a single person for curbing their enthusiasm with WWE. If we're being honest, we have been over-promised and under-delivered to by uh, WWE before. So I hope that is not the case here. I- I'm excited for it. I am, and I am very excited for a few weeks of programming to see what Stone Cold and KO can do. You don't drop that promo if he's not coming to Raw, if he's not coming to the build-up to WrestleMania. That isn't a, I'll see you at WrestleMania and you won't see me again. That is Attitude Era. Stone Cold Steve Austin. I have not seen him like that in years. No, he he looked hyped. He looked ready. He looked, yeah, I'm excited by it. So let's look as well about another thing we were talking about last week, which is Vince McMahon's appearance on the Pat McAfee show. Again, one of the seems best- like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Seems though? like a genuine lifetime ago that happened. How how have we? This is how mad wrestling is. We haven't spoken a week. In that last week, Vince McMahon has given his first live interview in 15 years, and it's taken us 29 minutes to talk about it. Good interview, though. Before we get on to the wrestling content, Pat is a fascinating interviewer, and Vince, he's a curious cat. I mean, we've always known it, but you hear him give these interviews, and you think, I just cannot get a read on you. Sometimes he says things, you're like, you're actually a genius. You're like, you are a... And he is. He clearly is a genius, and he says things, and you're like, I'd love to sit and actually pick your brains for like life advice well. And then you remember that he picks a storyline where he was the father of his daughter's child. And you're like, what is wrong with you? And he just, yeah, he was hearing him talk about his childhood and how he took over the business and what he thinks of business. And I think he, just, he gets accused a lot of not caring what the fans think. I don't think that's the truth. I genuinely don't think that's the truth. I think he's just sometimes out of touch with what he believes the fans want. But I, I genuinely think, watch that interview, that he does care about the fans. He wants them to have fun. He wants to put the best product out he can. He's he's fascinating. But we yeah, don't know what said, we want, Pat, do we? Sorry, sorry no, to true, cut in, true. because we, no, we, don't. we spent two weeks going, we don't want Austin and Kevin Owens. And it took two minutes. So maybe yeah, Vince yeah. does know better than us. Yeah, And Pat, and you, you interview for a living. I do a bit on the podcast I host you're a lot better at it than I did. I am. I could only dream of being 5% the interviewer Pat McAfee is. He's just, he knows so well when to push, when to come back. Especially when it's your boss. Let's not forget that was his boss he was interviewing. And he knows when to chime in with his stories. I want to just sit and let the man talk. Um, he was excellent. He Is he better than Stone Cold at interviewing? I think he's different. I uh, for, for me, they're two completely different styles. I mean, Austin is more, I would say, of an interviewer because I think Austin hits bullet point to bullet point and knows how he wants to get to a certain point. I think Pat genuinely just chats, just just has yeah. a conversation with him. And, and both work. They're different styles. Um, 
I just thought once we've got the praise for it out of the way, I thought it was a pretty underwhelming way to get Pat McAfee involved in WrestleMania. I, I thought if you had a way, if Stone Cold hype is, is, is the top of the class, this was sort of down towards the middle of the pack. Yeah, just having Vince offer him a match was a little bit weird. And then I said last week, the only I could see it being Austin Theory because he's fighting for Vince as a champion for Vince. And let's just go on the record, thank God Vince isn't wrestling. So far. Thank, oh, don't say that, Jack. But just to have Austin, to have Vince offer him a match and Austin Theory be like, yep, yeah, I'm going to do that. <sighs> yeah, I, I just think there's a lot better things they could have done. I don't know what, I don't know how, but it just seemed a bit, a little bit flat. I think you're right. Like, why not? Why not have someone come out on SmackDown the Friday, the day after the interview, and take umbrage with something Pat said and challenge him like that? Rather than Vince go have a match and Austin Austin Theory go, I'll have that match. Just do something a little bit more. Put a put a bounty. I love a good old bounty storyline in wrestling. Put a bounty on Pat's head. Have Vince say, "You want the match with Pat? You have to impress me." And have someone, and it can even be Austin. Do. Give it a little bit of heat and don't have Pat McAfee on SmackDown say, I don't know who Austin Theory is. I don't know who this guy is. That never is a good way to build Austin Theory up. And I'm not sure Pat McAfee should be in a position where he's being offered matches. I think Pat should be clamoring for matches. I think the anger should get the better of him. He should demand a match. Why offer this guy who's only had a couple of matches, great as they were, a a spot? It just didn't, didn't make sense to me. No, that was the only part of the whole thing I didn't love. I would, um, yeah, I, I would prefer to be built for the match another way. But also, anyone who hasn't checked out the Pat McAfee show just in general, do. It's brilliant. It's so good. And they churn that out every day. Yeah. Every day they churn that out, those lads. Fair play to them. Um, I wouldn't go on it if you don't love American sports, though. It's very American sports themed, <laughs> actually. If you don't like American sports, maybe give it a pass. Here's something that didn't come from the Pat McAfee show, but came from another interview this week. Before we talk a little bit about Monday Night Raw, did you see the article with Brock Lesnar saying that to all intents and purposes, he was done after the WrestleMania at the Performance Center with Drew McIntyre, and it was only a hefty chunk of money that drew him out of retirement. Did you see that interview? No, I actually missed that. That's very interesting. It may have been Chris Van Vliet. I may have that wrong, so apologies. Go out and find that interview. I'm sure if you Google it, you'll track it down. But Brock basically said in this particular interview that he thought it was full circle. He'd done about 20 years in the business. His first match was in an empty warehouse with no one in. His last match as WWE champion or was in an empty warehouse with no one in and he thought he was retired and given the amount of time till we saw him again about 18 months and the interviewer says um well what brought you back and he just went cha-ching and money so that was i thought an odd thought we've always assumed brock will always come back for these big moments but he as far as he was concerned was done yeah and thank god he came back and we got this brock lesnar and if this if this is him doing his last run then that it's perfect. I think if this is how he's going to finish with this run, him having fun, and don't get me wrong, there's matches I still want to see Brock Lesnar have, but if this is him done, then this is the perfect way to go out. I have a question for some of our fans maybe to, to get into. Is this the WrestleMania which has the fewest cumulative matches amongst competitors ever? And I, what I mean by that is how many matches has main eventer Ronda Rousey had in the past 12 months. How many matches has Pat McAfee had 
in the past 12 months? How many matches has Logan Paul had? Has Stone Cold Steve Austin had? Has Brock Lesnar? When you look at it, it is, yes, the most stupendous WrestleMania ever, but it's also the most part-time WrestleMania ever. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. It's a very good point. I'll tell you what I hate as well. Billing a match is the biggest match in WrestleMania history. Oh. That's not that's not a call you can make because everyone will have a different answer for that. And also, you're just asking it not to deliver. Come on. Come on, guys. It's like when um that backlash that they had during the pandemic and I cut things a lot of a lot of slack during the pandemic but it was Edge Randy Orton the greatest wrestling match the ever. greatest wrestling match ever no it hasn't happened yet it, how do you know I think I think they're pushing too hard and I get it you've got that huge stadium you've got it for two nights I can see why they're looking and going right what stops do we need to pull out I mean it would not surprise me if we got Seth Rollins and Shawn Michaels it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if we ended up there they are trying everything how hyped are you about WrestleMania not that hyped at the moment I'm not going ooh less than a month um yeah it just I'm not that hyped at the moment. Not because it's a bad card, just because AEW's got all my attention at the moment, genuinely. Yeah, it, it, it is mad that we are... This is this is the season for WWE. This is a moment where we should all be talking about them and we're not really. However, I love what has happened to Monday Night Raw. Brilliant, isn't it, at the moment? Monday so, Night Raw is brilliant. Someone, somewhere along the line, has taken Monday Night Raw by the scruff of the neck and said, you know what we need? Tag teams. And you know what? We, we got three of them. We're going to let these guys absolutely go out there and do what they do. RK Bro, Alpha Academy, Rollins and KO, and my days. All time greatest RKO. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Better than the Rollins one. At uh, Mania 31. Yeah, just the timing of a moonsault. Are you kidding me, Randy? Randall Keith, are you kidding me? Of a moonsault? I've How? Heard people, How? I've heard people say, genuinely, I wasn't that impressed by that. What? The, the, Who? Who are these people? I'm not going to. Bring them to me. Bring them to me, and I will have a stern word. I can't. Off a moonsault, Jack. I can't now because one of our. A moonsault! Is it off a moonsault, Charlie? One of our listeners is going to be very scared, but their view was Randy didn't really do anything apart from get up and bring them down. Now, I don't share that view. Randy had to get a six foot five frame under someone, maneuver himself and then make it look like he was RKOing him while also not killing poor Chad Gable while he did it. I loved whoever it. Whoever did it, who, when this comes out, whoever whoever you are who wasn't impressed, tweet me. I dare you. <laughs> Challenge laid down. I loved it. I thought that... I, I personally don't think it was as good as the step-up RKO on Seth Rollins because that was one of those moments where you could even hear Michael Cole's voice at 31. Like, he was shocked by it. But let's not quibble. What an amazing match and what an amazing job WWE has done of building this story, these characters. Alpha Academy, who were nowhere a year ago, who were floundering, who weren't, I don't think, even together. Well done, WWE. Absolutely, and it just shows what a bit of time, long-term storytelling, and and just consistent storytelling does. 
And I was completely wrong. I thought we had the RK Bro split coming before Mania. Instead, they've gone with their still best mates. We're going into Mania with them as the champs, and I'm all for it. Um, but obviously, we got Rollins and KO aren't together anymore, uh, as we know. I would I would reward these guys with just giving them straight up Alpha Academy RK Bro at Mania, and just give them ten minutes. Just go and tear the house down. Just ten minutes. I, that I would I would reward these two teams with that match at Mania. The turn is coming. But I don't think I want it, Charlie. In fact, I know I don't want it. I don't want Randy to drive Riddle's head into the mat with an RKO. I don't want to see it. But the moment you want a turn, it's too late. The moment you want to see it, it's too late. I didn't want to see Tommaso Ciampa beat up Johnny Gargano, but a game with the best feud I've ever had. Mm. You just The moment you want that heel turn, it's too late because then it's not, it's not a heel turn. It's what you wanted. But it hurts. It hurts yes, it when does. they do it. It does. Yes, it hurts. Okay, all right. And, well, and Riddle's gonna look like a little puppy when it happens. Ah, uh, I just, I, I think they've done. I think they've struck gold. I would love to know who came up with that pairing. I wonder how much Randy had to do with it because you think he's probably at the stage where he's got enough sway to say, do you know what? Here's who I want to work with. Here's who I don't want to work with. I think if they do that right, they can ride that to SummerSlam. Maybe there's still a bit yeah. more story to be told. And then would not be mad if Riddle's first WWE title win came over Randy Orton. You you can get to the next year's WrestleMania with that as your title feud. Would they would they swerve us all? Because Randy's going in the press saying how much he's enjoying this at the moment. Would Riddle turn on Randy? I mean he could, but it's a big ask for Riddle because you can Randy's pulled that off before. It's in his DNA. It's what Randy Orton does. Yeah. And I don't know if you've... Because you can only implode this once. This is gold. And if you're going to break it, you've got to break it right. It's a big ask of Riddle to do that with his current character. I think he'd almost need a Chris Jericho from, Mm -hmm. you know, babies, you know, flashing waistcoats to suit, pouting, short hair. I think it would need to be that big a change for Riddle to successfully do it. Can he do it? I wouldn't bet against him. Would I bet this this moment on it? I'm not sure. Yep, yeah, just, just a thought. That was all. Just a thought. Yeah, I I love it. I love it, and I love what they've done. Um, someone was saying earlier in the week. I saw on social media. What would you do with Seth Rollins on WrestleMania? Because he's got to be there. They were saying, well, you could have him do double duty, but I don't think you can do that if you've got KO with Austin on on whatever night it's going to be. What would you do with Seth? It's a great question. Um. There are a few options. They are still yet to announce a ladder match. They'll have a ladder match somewhere. Throw That's in your what I match. would do. Um, I would have, well, do you think we're getting Balor versus Priest for the US title? Yeah, that's probably got pre-show written on it for me. Would you throw Seth Rollins in that? It would Somehow? elevate it. Yeah, you could do. But I, I um, like the ladder match idea. Yeah, because also, i tell you what I'd love to see. They're on different shows, but that seems to not matter anymore. Rollins Ricochet for the IC title. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I mean, what, what you could do is just do a Seth Rollins invitational. You could have yeah. him say... He's big I, enough. I, I, I'm frustrated. I want to fight someone. Who's it going to be? I mean, look, here's someone we've not spoken about in a little while. Mr. Cody Rhodes. Yes. Yeah. Well, that that's all that we I mean that's all gone south. He's not going to WWE anymore if anyone has anything to do with it. He could How be going to Ring of Honor. This is, this is wrestling. 
It's it's mad. It is mad. But it's br- look. If you are, if you're listening to this, you love wrestling. If you have a lapsed fan in your life, now is the time to go and tap them on the shoulder and say, "Come back to wrestling." It really doesn't matter what you watch at the moment. WWE, AEW, Impact Wrestling. You will find something you like, and it's been a long time since we can say you might not love all of it, but you're gonna find something. Did we ever? Did we ever talk about on the podcast that Cesaro left? Or did that did that slip us by on the podcast? By the way, no, we've not even. I mean, that's what a week it's been since we last. Was that, was that in this last week? Did that happen? That happened on because we did a Wednesday recording. Yeah. And it was a Wednesday night that Cesaro... Right, left. well, very quickly, Cesaro Cesaro's absolutely brilliant. Surely he goes to AEW. Uh, and yeah, th- there, there's a lot of dream matches. Uh, he's just the best, isn't he? So go and make that happen. Intriguing suggestion by Ryan, who listens to this podcast, which is that actually, rather than have Cesaro go to AEW, have Cesaro be an old-school territory-style wrestler who can show up in Impact Wrestling for a couple of months, then show up in AEW, go away. Go, I mean, can you imagine some of the matches he'll have in Japan? Oh, yeah, they'd like him in Japan. I just, I think, like it's, I think it's mad. I think it's mad the, the week we've had in wrestling, and it's only going to get more bonkers as we see Stone Cold do more things, as we see what the Hardys are going to shake out doing. It is a brilliant, brilliant time. Uh, you may have guessed by this point, we're not doing your No Chance in Hell moments this week. Because they, they all happened this week. They all happened. <laughs> Every single one of them happened. We'll carry them over to next week because there is there is no space to do them. But we do not move earning the push and back to developmental for anyone. These are the moments in everyday life you love and want to see more of. They get the push. They're the moments you hate and want to see less of. They go back to developmental. First or second, Mr. Beckett? First. I'll go first. I'll go first. Go for it. Uh, I'm going to do my back to developmental first. Um, my dog will only poo for me. <laughs> I, won't, hold on. Won't do, won't I feel do like I've seen half. that on the front of a Take a Break magazine. Yeah, no, won't, yeah won't do it for my better half. Take him out the other loo. He does a wee. He saves them all for me, doesn't he? Lucky me. Okay. Genuinely, we've had him 10 days now. She's had to deal with it once in 10 days. And we take him out equally because we have different schedules. So I'm home, so she's home. So you take him out every hour or so because puppy only poos for his dad. Well, that can either make you really proud or really sad. Is it possible it's just to do with the feeding schedule of when you're feeding him? No, because our schedules, it's not like we have the same time each day. Sometimes I do evenings, sometimes she does evenings. Sometimes I do mornings, she does mornings. Nope, he just... He saves them for me. I know I know. when I go downstairs after this, I'm going to have to deal with it. I know that I'll have to take him out and he'll be saving his breakfast one up for me. What you've got is you've got a gentleman as a dog, a chivalrous yes. puppy yes. who says, I yes. couldn't possibly excrete in front of a lady. I'll yes. save so it for the man of the house. That's my back to developmental because that's fun every day. How is puppy life? Oh, it's great. It's great. I'm knackered, but it's great. <laughs> um, and then earn the push. I'm doing a slight rule break. I'm having two this okay. week. Uh, first of all is Hartlepool United Football Club. Uh, I'm a huge Liverpool fan, but my dad is a massive Hartlepool fan. He's from Hartlepool. And last night, they so Hartlepool have never been to Wembley. They should have been twice, but the finals were moved to Cardiff and Bristol. And last night, they played in the EFL Trophy, the Papa John's Trophy. Brilliant sponsor. Uh, used to be Vanarama. Um, trophy, semi-final, and they lost on penalties to Rotherham, who were top of the league above. It was a brilliant game. The Vic in, uh, sorry, the Soups Direct Stadium, as it's now called, sponsorships ruining sport, um, <laughs> was sold out. It was bouncing, and it was a huge night for the whole club, the town. And I'm gutted that they lost on penalties, but they gave that 
town, that club, a run they never expect to have in the cup. So just a huge earn the push to everyone at Hartlepool United. Brilliant work. Um, and then my other one and my main one this week is um, Shane Warne. Um, yes. I was pretty shook by the passing of Shane Warne this week. I won't lie. He was 52. We've just said with Regal, he's only 52. Shane Warne was 52. And I love sport. I love all sport. But after rugby, cricket is probably my favourite sport. And I grew up worshipping the legs of Shane Warne. The only thing against him was that he was Australian, um, as jokingly as that could be said. And the fact that he died this week, you've just seen all the all the tributes pour out to him. And he, 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 we talk about wrestlers transcending wrestling, going, The Rock does it, CM does it, Austin does it. Shane Warne transcended cricket. He became a global superstar. Now, he'd be the first person to admit he was far from the perfect person. There were a lot of faults with the person, Shane Warne, and you hear him in many interviews admit that. But the cricketer was just, he was perfect. He was perfection personified in a cricket pitch. And what he could do with the ball and what he did for the sport was just amazing. And yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to Shane Warne. He was one of my heroes growing up. I bowled leg spin hilariously, tried to, from the age of about 10 to 12, because I wanted to be Shane Warne. Uh, and I think he packed more into 52 years than most of us would into 152 years. He lived a hell of a life. Um, and one last thing, I saw a heartbreaking interview with Ricky Ponting, who was his captain and uh, I'm a good friend. And uh, the interviewer asked him if you could say one more thing to Shane, what would it be, Ricky? And he just started crying and he said, I never told him I loved him and I did so much. And just, uh, just a little bit of a word of tell the people you love that you love them because you don't know when the last chance you'll get to will be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just a big, big shout out for Shane Warne and I hope his friends, so I'm everyone are okay. But what, what a life, what a talent, what a man. Yeah, the, the, there's it, it shocked the sporting world. It transcended sport. It shocked everyone. The only thing that comes out of it, and it's nowhere near anything to take away, the shock is how many people are there watching the genius he was as a cricketer. And you see, I don't know if you saw this, you may have done. I mean, there were so many stories like this, but um, uh, Henry Moran from the BBC's Test Match Special Team said, when we were in Southampton in the bio bubble for a test they decided to ask Shane Warne to bowl a couple of balls outside and they're all playing cricket in the car park. And you just, from everything you heard about Shane Warne, he always had time for everyone. And not only did he have that personality, that ball of the century to Mike Gatting. I can, I can still see Gatting's face now wondering how on earth that happened. So treat yourself after you've listened to this, even if you don't like cricket, just go and Shane Warne highlights on YouTube. You'll you'll enjoy yourself. You'll see a true sportsman at his absolute peak transcending the sport. I highly agree. I'm going to send back to developmental people who are rude to other people in customer service roles. Yep. So Absolutely. If you've never worked in customer service or what they call customer-facing roles, you will not know how mortifying it is to people in customer service roles when things go wrong that are not their fault. And you should never take it out on them. And there's a couple of... I saw someone being really rude to someone at the gym the other day, and that really wound me up. And it got me thinking of a little while back, I was coming back from somewhere and I stopped at a supermarket and there was this woman in 19 behind the um, desk serving sandwiches, giving out the food, all that type of thing. And this incredibly rude woman barged down the queue and just said, are none of your sandwiches gluten-free? And this woman behind the desk said, I'm really sorry, they're not, we're working on it, we've got all this. And this woman says to her, oh, it's not a lifestyle choice, you know, and just walks away. And this girl at 19 
is having to deal with it and it's wrong. And the way to deal with it is to take it up afterwards, ask to speak to the manager. Don't do it to people. I, I mean, have you ever done a role like this? I'm guessing you've never had to. I haven't, but I'm preparing myself because next week in Cheltenham is race week. And I am doing a few shifts behind the local rugby club bar because they need people to help out because it's the busiest week of the year. So I am going to be dealing with her. So next week, you may have me sending the same thing back to developmental because people are the worst. Charlie, I don't think you will have to deal with this problem. Just remind people, sure, just remind sure people of your well height and weight again. Uh, six foot four, about 122 kilos. <laughs> but a face... Of an angel. A face of an angel. I think people might look away. I can't believe what this barber... And look up and see you. And maybe they will choose not to complain. But don't be rude to customers. I'm not sure I'm going to be getting any tips for flirting, though. Oh, please. I know you. Of course you will. You are an outrageous... I'm not sure I'm the most... Think of, think of the Cheltenham, Cheltenham races race goers. I'm not sure I'm the most desirable thing to flirt with behind the bar. I wouldn't bet on that. I'm sure you'll do fine. Um, Don't be rude, Charlie. Don't be rude to customer service people. Earning the push... The middle of budget supermarkets. What yes, a treasure true. Yes. Oh my God. I could do a whole podcast just on them. You know what? Right. New podcast. Each week, <laughs> you and I go to the middle of one of these supermarkets. Uh, one of them rhymes with middle and one of them rhymes with Raldi. Um, <laughs> and we go, we go to these and we each buy one item and we come and discuss it because, oh my God, the things we can buy. I actually think... You may have stumbled upon genius there. I think We're trademarking that. That's trademarked for anyone else gets it. Merlin and Beckett go shopping. I Well, I think that there is something in getting a celebrity to join you each week to discuss a buy from the middle aisle of his budget. I went to... We, we've got a few around us. I found a brilliant little chopping machine. Only a fiver. If I need a sun mat, it's there. Some chairs, some AstroTurf, some tinted moisturiser. It's all there. For my 21st, we did a wrestling-themed night out, because of course you did. And I found my Undertaker hat there. <laughs> I was walking down there doing my big shop, and I just looked, there was this massive black hat, and I was like, well, that's my Taker hat. From a business point of view, I cannot understand how it makes money, and yet it must. And I don't know how they're... I can only assume their buyers get in everything they need, their fruit, their veg, their milk, all of that, and then at the end of the day, they get absolutely slaughtered and click on anything they want and just say, right, lads, shut your eyes, click on whatever you want, let's see it's what like, turns up. It's like, it's, just, it's like, okay, what's that? You need some home gym equipment? Yeah, we, we, we've got it here. You going camping? Yeah, come and get your tent. You going skiing, you say? <laughs> Look, we've got the poles. Snorkeling? Yep got that sorted what's that you need a hoover cleaner that no one's ever heard of get yourself in the middle aisle that'll be there it's amazing a tornado could blow through a budget supermarket and rearrange every part of it and the middle aisle would still look exactly the same well it makes sense it would still make sense because anything makes sense there so i'm i'm giving those a push as well uh look before we wrap up are we going to see Stone Cold Steve Austin brawling with Kevin Owens on either this week's SmackDown, because a brand split doesn't matter, or on Raw before we meet next? He's got to show up. He'll show up. You know, I want I want a stipulation of he's not allowed to touch him till Mania. I love that. I, that was one of my favourite stipulations of if you, if you touch him, you lose your payday or you don't get the match. I love things like that. And then Owens can just wind him up. And then as soon as that bell rings or whatever happens at Mania, Austin kills him. I want to see a straight up murder. 
<laughs> on that cheery note, we'll begin yes. to wrap things up. Uh, look, we will do no chance in hell moments next week. Thank you to maybe, more, maybe, maybe, unless it all goes bonkers again. We'll try and fit them in. We may just call time on it if we can, but the goal is to do that. Remember, we want three moments you never thought you'd see in wrestling that actually came off. Thank you for each and every person who listens each and every week. We appreciate it more than you'll know. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening. He's Charlie underscore Beckett on social media. I'm Jack underscore Merley. We'll see you next time on Earning the Push when we'll do it all again. But until then, bye-bye. <laughs>